When we see God for who He really is, then we can know who we really are. Then we can know why we are really here. And we can be transformed into what He wants us to be. And when we are in that place, then the enemy can throw anything at us. Circumstances can be whatever they want to be. We will have the spiritual big match temperament to handle it. Welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We've been busy with a series. For those who are new to us today and for those who may have forgotten, we are busy with a series called One, Two, Three, Four, I Declare a Moe, A Thought War. And that's because we are daily in a thought war, and uh, it has a spiritual component, which is very important to understand. Today's message title is, Do You Think Like a Conqueror? Do you think like a conqueror? In this series, we ask the question, who do you think you are? We talked about be transformed. What does it mean to be transformed? We ask the question, why do you think you are here? And last week we spoke about who do you think God is? And we saw how amazing our God is. And just how many scriptures, and I, I didn't even read all the scriptures, but we read so many scriptures of how amazing our God is. I want to remind us of the series scriptures because all of this ties in with what we are doing and as we read this, I want you to just remember what the journey we've been on in this month. I was, this morning I, was, I spoke to the team and I said, did you guys realize this month has five Sundays? That doesn't happen often. It, it, it's like, that's a lot of Sundays for one month. Um, but it's so amazing because I'm seeing the hand of God even in that and how this series spanned the month of October and it's coming to a close today it seems, and I was planning on doing a summary to just make sure that we all understand what we've learned and how significant it is and how we're going to apply it to our lives. And I felt God show me a way to do that through one of the most well-known Bible characters in the Bible and how he thought like a conqueror and what does it mean and what does it look like and how do these other questions tie into that. So I want you, as we go through this, please remember these questions. Who do you think you are? What does it mean to be transformed? Why do you think you are here? And who do you think God is? Because all of those things we're going to try to bring together. And my hope and my prayer is that when you walk out of here today, that your thinking will be more in alignment with God's way of thinking. Amen? It's someone at least excited about the prospect. All right. Good. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. 
So our series scriptures, Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, in other words, if you are truly born again, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Very clear. For you died. Say what now? Yes, you died. You are dead. You are dead in Jesus. You are dead. And you must stay dead. (laughs) So your spirit can be alive. Okay? It's very important to get this. If you are truly born again, your old self died with Christ and your new creation self was raised with Christ. And I told this to you last week. It's not a better, more improved version of you. It's a brand new creation. Amen? It's very important to understand regeneration. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What is he saying as well? Don't think, of, don't think of the other things that are not this. In other words, don't worry. Don't fear. Don't spend time on things that drag you down. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For doing what? Pulling down strongholds. What are strongholds? They are fortresses of thinking, fortresses of narratives, fortresses of whatever it might be that pulls you away from God. It's for putting down strongholds, casting down arguments. Where do arguments form? In our minds. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What does that mean? It means that we don't have to let thoughts happen to us. We can control what we think and how it affects us. Ephesians 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Next time someone irritates you, next time someone angers you, just remind yourself, My battle is not against the flesh and blood of this person. It's against the spirit behind it. And sometimes there's a spirit in you that's causing you to be frustrated and irritated. So maybe check yourself as well. Amen? All right. So we're going to talk about, do you think like a conqueror? How many of you have ever won something in your life? Something you really wanted to win? A competition or a... Or a show. Or, you know, something like that. I never used to win anything. I, I was like, I mean, the best thing I won at school was Beste Vordering for Tuekamp. You know, like, thanks. Um, but I remember the, the first win that for me was significant uh, was when I, I wrote into a songwriting and singing competition, not the one you're thinking of, one before that, it, it was at uh, Tiger Valley, and it was, uh, KFM was hosting it. And I, 
I wrote a song and I entered into the competition and I won the songwriting competition side of it. And I, I just got such a kick out of it. And I thought, man, this is awesome. So, but I mean, how many of you know that feeling of trying, working, and succeeding and winning? It's, it's a good feeling, right? All right. So how many of you would like to win at this war in our thought life? How many of you would like to win? All right. Have you ever heard of big match temperament, BMT? The sports guys talk about big match temperament, especially when it comes to golfers, you know, when the stakes are high and the tension is hectic. You know, that guy has to do an eight-foot putt and he's like, everyone's hushed at this moment and it's some freak and they freeze and they don't do well under pressure. Otherwise, other guys rise to the occasion. They even talk about BMT with rugby players and, and whether they have it in the moment when it counts. And that's what we have to have as Christians is that big match temperament. The great news is we don't have to rely on other people to have it. We can access it through the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. Amen. And that's the big thing that I would love for all of us to take away from this whole series and from the, the Word of God is that when we see God for who He really is, then we can know who we really are then we can know why we are really here and we can be transformed into what He wants us to be. Can you see that? And when we are in that place, then the enemy can throw anything at us. Circumstances can be whatever they want to be. We will have the spiritual big match temperament to handle it. Amen? All right. So someone in the Bible that had serious spiritual BMT was David, King David. He was a conqueror because he thought like one. Remember the quote I gave you in the beginning? Your life is heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What are you thinking a lot and what comes out of your mouth a lot? That is where you will go. Amen? Some of you don't want to know that. You're like, no, my circumstances just have to change magically, you know, and I will then be happy. No. A lot of it starts with the way you think and the, what comes out of your mouth. Because what you think will become what you say. What you say will become your habits and your habits will become your character. What kind of person do you want to be? Let's get your thinking in line. David was a conqueror because he thought like one. And the main reason for his winning streak was his unshakable and wholehearted faith and trust in who his God is and what he was capable of. Would you agree with that? Who he thought God was, was accurate. His view of God, the way he thought about God, was biblical. It was true. And this accuracy of knowing who his God is is what led him to do what he did. And it transformed him into the king that we know today. I am well aware that he made mistakes later in life. And the big reason that David was called a man after God's own heart is that he was one of the few that when he was confronted with, hey, you sinned, you messed up, he repented and he made right with God. But we're going to focus on the first segment of his career, let's call it that, and see how 
his conquering way of thinking made him the conqueror that he was. All right. So those of you who are new to our church, we like to read a lot of scripture. And it's even more than you think right now. Because it's the, it's the word of God when it's read out loud and when it's led by the Holy Spirit that changes us. I really believe that because I've seen it in my own life over and over and over again. I can only bring it to you and use what God has given me to share it with you in the hopes that your, you will make a choice to make your heart and your spirit good soil for the word of God, which is a seed that needs to be planted. Amen? All right. So we're firstly going to look at the start of David's life. And because I'm going to keep reminding you, because I'm hoping this will get stuck in your heads. We are going to keep going back to who is God really? Because if we know that, we can know who we are and why we are here. All right? And that, that is where our thinking should be aligned. Now, we see the calling on David's life in 1 Samuel 16. God sends Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel. And he sends him to Jesse. And Samuel, some of you will know the story. He goes through a lot of the sons. They look handsome. They look strong. They look, you know, this is a good candidate for the next king. And God keeps telling Samuel, no, no, next. And then he says to Jesse, listen, do you have another son? Like, because God keeps telling me this is not the right one. And it's almost like Jesse goes, yeah, you know, there's that guy in the field looking after the sheep kind of thing, you know. And so he, he calls him in, and this is what happens in verse uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. You will see many times the Bible refers to him as good looking or handsome. And the Lord says, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, here, shortly after this, there's a bit that seems to be out of sequence of events. Because when I read the next part of the, uh, the, the story of Goliath, you'll see that Saul, the king Saul, doesn't know David yet. But in the chapter before, we see that when Saul was plagued by a, a spirit, a tormenting spirit from God, that he sent for David, or someone found David as a skillful player to come and play for him. So I just want to read that as well, because I want you to see that the gift on his life made way for him. All right? So 1 Samuel 16 then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. That's important. Therefore, Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. Look at that. 
Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressed spirit will depart from him. Some of you are going like, why would God send a distressing spirit? Is that even possible? Yes, it is. Don't be like Saul. All right, so that was, a, that was a bit out of context in the storyline, but I wanted you to see who David was because that's a great explanation. They're gonna talk, he's going to talk about himself in the next part, but I wanted you to see how others saw him as a young boy looking after sheep. He was still looking after the sheep, but he's a mighty man of valor, and he's a skillful player. You see that? All right. So we're going to get into the next chapter now, and we pick it up in verse 13. I want you to see the sequence of events, and I'm going to try and break it down for you under headings, all right? So just follow along with me until I uh, stop reading, and then I'm going to explain the next one. So the first one, the heading is David the obedient son and good steward. So I want you to see that the way a conqueror thinks is that he is obedient He respects and honors his elders and he understands his position. And now remember, he's been anointed as king. So he had all the reason in the world to become cocky. All right? But listen how he does things. Verse 13. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle. The names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days morning and evening. That's Goliath. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and they all sorry now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper. And took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. So you see two things there. He makes sure that that what he was responsible for was taken care of. He's not just leaving them behind. And he's obedient to his father. There's no questioning. There's no giving him another idea. He just says, yes, father. And he does as he is told. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle for For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies, the stuff that he has brought from home. He left it with the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. He could have just dropped it where he was to get to the action. But he made sure that that what he was responsible for was taken care of with the right person. Do you see that pattern in David's life? All right. All right. The next heading is David's confidence and I'm going to call it healthy ambition. Sometimes ambition is not that healthy, but David has a healthy ambition. And I want you to see this. I love this scene from verse 23. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, 
the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And... Uh, and it, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. All right, so listen, listen to what the king promised. He said that whoever kills Goliath will be enriched with great riches. He will get the king's daughter and his father's house will be exempted from tax. That's a pretty good gig, Right? Now listen, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, so it shall be for the man who kills him. So David heard what will be given. He's leaning in and going, I just want to make sure. Is this what you get? And then... Because he's not worried about killing the Philistine. Can you see that? He's like, that's not a big deal. But listen to what you get when you kill him. I just love this confidence. He's like, he's just an uncircumcised Philistine. Coming against the armies of God, is he nuts? Can you see the level of confidence? He thinks like a conqueror. He is already counting his chickens of the spoils of killing that guy. And he hasn't done it yet. Have you ever read that story that way? Have you seen that before? This is amazing. Now, now we see the next heading is that David is not deterred nor intimidated. He's a man on a mission. And he's so confident in his God and who his God says he is. He will not be deterred by others. Listen to this. Verse 28. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, so his oldest brother, who he would have a lot of respect for, said when he heard him speak, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not cause? Then he turned from him, he turned from his brother, he turned from the intimidation, he turned from the false narrative that his brother was trying to speak over his identity. He's like, I'm not that guy that you're telling me I am. Prideful, arrogant, I took care of the sheep. I listened to my dad, I was obedient, I'm a, I have a servant heart. I know who I am. The stuff that you are saying is not who I am. But if he wasn't sure of who his God is and who he is, if his brother who's older was saying these words to him, what would happen to an average person? They would go, <laughs> and you go lie in a fetal position and cry. Not David. He's like, well, I just want to talk to someone else because this is not... This is not happy. It's almost like a modern day version would be speak to the hand. I'm going <laughs> to go somewhere else. Now listen to this. He has, he's been intimidated by his brother. Doesn't let it be deterred. Now, next up, his age and his ability, abilities are questioned. 
and he answers the question with his testimony. All right, so that's the heading for this one from verse 31. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, so people were hearing, there's a young guy asking about what he will get when he kills the giant. It's causing a bit of a stir under the soldiers. You can imagine. Because most historians place David at that time between the age of 15 and 17. He's a young kid. All right? And... Um, They reported to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Listen to the kid saying to the king, don't let them fret. Don't let them worry about the giant. I'll kill him. I've got this. Can you see the confidence? Can you see it? Who feel light is can you? How many young kids do you know whose confidence in God not in themselves. I'm not talking about insecurity that masquerades as arrogance. This is real, healthy confidence in the God whom he serves. Imagine 10 of these young men in a high school. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. A young boy who's been anointed to be king is talking to the current king who should have been the one making the people not worry. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose again against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Look at why he knows he will win. Can you also just point out a side note which I'll throw in for free. Did you see the shadow of Jesus in his testimony? He ran after the sheep that was caught by a bear or a lion and he rescued the lamb from danger. Do you see that? The shepherd king was a foreshadow of our shepherd king. And moreover, he's not finished, guys. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You've convinced me. Can you see that? That's amazing. The next heading, David's calling is different. Therefore, the way he does it will look different. Each one of us are unique in our identity from God. And therefore, we are unique in our calling from God. 
and the way that you walk out your calling must be found in who you are in God and who He says you are and why He says you are here. Otherwise, you're going to try and copy and paste other people's lives. And well-meaning parents sometimes go like, no, but you should do this and don't do it that way, do it this way. While you're trying to do it the way that you know deep down inside, this is how I should do it. And they're like, no, but that doesn't work. It won't work. Or that doesn't work for that guy, so it won't work for you. And you've got all these things coming at you and you have to go, but I know, I know that I know this is who I am and what I'm supposed to do. Because the life people and the enemy will constantly try to convince you otherwise. But look at this from verse 38. So Saul clothed David with with his armor. I'm going to make you do this my way. And he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. That's like that um, hard, what do you call it? It's a form of armor that you wear like a vest, I think. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth clothes from the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag, which is his, in a pouch which he had, And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Most of the time, God will ask you, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? What have I put in your hand that I can multiply? What's in your hand? Don't try to take someone else's armor. Don't try to fit into their mold. Yeah, I just feel Holy Spirit tell me, in this moment, not only did Saul's armor not fit David or was the correct um, armor for his size and for what, and it, it doesn't fit with his calling. More than that, the, what Saul was carrying at that stage in his kingship was dysfunctional. It was distorted. He was heading out. God was not pleased with Saul. And even though he's in that position, by putting on his armor, he was also trying to put on, in a a spiritual sense, the dysfunction, the the discord that he had with God. And David was like, no, It it doesn't fit. Can you see that? Wow. Thank you, God. Now, he has faced his brother's intimidation. He has faced the king's disbelief in his ability and in his youth. Now he faces an enemy. How many of you have had your worst battles with people that's supposed to love you and be in your corner? Right? So he's already conquered the brother. He's already conquered the king. Now he faces the actual enemy. How many of you know that on the road to the actual battle, there are others to fight? you see that? From verse 41. Excuse me. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, 
he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. Do you think God wants us to know that David was handsome? And most historians have concluded that ruddy refers to redhead. He was kind of a redhead. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a side note. I may have spoiled the picture for you now. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds and the air and the beast of the field. You can even like imagine that in an animation movie. <laughs> Evil laugh and everything. Can you imagine this freaking three meter long, tall giant? He's standing there. He's got an armor bearer. He's like full everything. David's there like chilling with his slingshot. Sup? And this giant is telling him what's about to happen to him. If we are honest, most of us would have tucktailed and ran by then. That is extreme intimidation, extreme fear, extreme worry. Look at what David does in the face of the intimidation of the enemy. He responds to fear and intimidation with faith in his God and a prophetic word against the enemy. Look at this from verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, now remember, he said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? I will kill you and feed you to the animals of the field. That was the last thing David heard. This is how he responds. He doesn't whimper. He doesn't cry. He doesn't call for his mommy. He says, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you in my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into my hands, into our hands. Yo. Fired up. That's amazing. He takes the enemy's prophetic word of what he will do to him and he, he ups it a bit. He takes it to a next level. He's like, no, you said you were going to feed me to the cockroach. I'm going to feed all y'all. <laughs> I want to feed all of you guys to the animals. God will give, me, give you into my hand. Imagine that confidence. Because he thought like a conqueror. Now, there's still a moment where David can go, I've said that, it's out there, there's still time to run. And he does run. He takes action. 
It goes from words to actually doing something. What would this world look like if every person who says they are a Christian actually did something for the kingdom of God? In the face of intimidation, in the face of fear, in the face of, jy is now a Bible bashing, irriterende persoon. In the face of all the negativity and the stuff that people can throw at you, and everything the enemy will throw at you, to say, no, I know my God, and I know that He will deliver you into my hand. Amen? Look at what David does after he's after he responds to the intimidation of the enemy and gives him a prophetic word. So it was, when the Philistine arose and came, drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the enemy to meet the Philistine. Guys, he rushed into danger. He ran towards this killing machine. All right, he's not, uh, that's, for, to me, that was huge. Then David put his hand in his bag. While he, he's running now, guys, he's running. This is an epic action sequence. He's running, he's putting his hand in his bag, get a stone, he's slinging it, and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, which can we imagine how big that would have been, and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. The last heading, David's victory, his conquest, saves and inspires others. And it causes the king to want to know his name. Let's listen to the last part of this chapter. Now when the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharaim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put on his armor in his tent. Uh, but he put on his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And then it goes on to explain Someone knows it's Jesse is his father and he finds out who he is. Guys, this is so huge to understand what it is to have this level of confidence in God. His conquest inspired the rest of Israel. Before David came along, they were afraid. This guy came out for 40 days straight and insulted Israel. Not one of them, not one of them did what David did and go, who's this uncircumcised Philistine defying the army of the living God? To him, he was so close to God and he knew his God so well that he was surprised that no one had done anything. 
He was surprised that people were afraid. He was surprised that grown men with beards and spears were more afraid of this guy than he was. But when he had the conquest, his conquest inspired them. It changed their outlook. It changed the way they looked at the enemy. They went from hiding away to chasing after the enemy. Can you see that? And that is what each and every one of us can do when we walk in the confidence of who we are in our God because we know who He is and what He is capable of, that we can inspire others to do the same. Amen? David's conviction was birthed from his times with God and it was strengthened by the testimonies of how God provided and strengthened him. What I love about David's story is that his testimonies that he used to strengthen him in that moment when he spoke to Saul was not of him sitting in a kumbaya pose asking God to do something and then God miraculously does it and he sits there and does nothing. All of it was him going and doing something and God then backing him up with heaven. So in his action, God came with his spirit and he changed the situation to become a supernatural situation. But David took a leap of faith in the natural. He chased after a bear, guys, and a lion. Because he's just like, you're not going to take my sheep. This sheep belongs to my dad. My dad belongs to God, and we, I have a job. God will protect me, because the word says so. And he did. Yo, this is challenging. David knew God. They had a relationship. God anointed him, called him for a purpose. There was a long period of waiting, of serving, of being obedient to people above him. He's anointed king, but there's a process. How many of you have given your lives to Christ and at some point you had a prophetic word or you felt God give you a scripture? For me, I woke up one night at 2 a.m. and I just saw Isaiah 49 verse 2. Didn't know it. Went and read it. It said, The Lord has made your mouth like a sharp sword. Never in a million years in that point in my life did I know I was going to preach the word of God. But I thought, hey, maybe through my singing, and I, and I have, and I will still. But it's gone beyond what I thought. But the point is, there was a prophetic word in a moment with God, years before the fruition of it. David patiently waited for the calling of God's, God on his life. And while he was waiting, because he thinks like a conqueror, he honored God, served God, and the way that he did it was to serve his elders and to serve his leaders and to submit to them. Because being anointed king can turn you into a cocky, arrogant person. But knowing who God is and knowing who he is, he walked in humility. But can you see that humility that, that is surrender to God actually makes you so powerful? It's amazing. 
Yo. And then, as he faithfully serves, as he faithfully stewards that which God has given him, he grows in his confidence in God. But imagine just the times that he must have had in the field looking after sheep to, as a young boy, already have this confidence. Some of us walk with Jesus for 10, 20 years, and we hardly have that level of confidence. But let us all trust God that it's possible, that it's possible we can live in that place. I want you to know that we need to look at the life of David. We need to look at these questions that we've been talking about and say, okay, who is God really? Remember last week I said, it's important to ask the question, who do I think God is? It's also to, important to ask, who is God really? And then the tough one to ask yourself, who is really your God? And then we saw from the second commandment that you can make up a God in your head that you say is the living God, but the way that you've made up that God suits you to the point that it's not the living God. So you've made your own idol and you willingly bow to that idol. Who is really your God? Because if you know that you know to the extent that David knew that he knew his God is the God of heaven's armies and when he stands there as a little boy with just a slingshot and five stones, he doesn't just stand there as a little boy with a slingshot and five stones. He's got the backing of the whole of heaven's armies. And he is not intimidated by the enemy because the, he knows the enemy has nothing on him. You see how the Bible said he was swearing by his gods, small letter G-O-D, and it meant nothing. It meant nothing. We need to recognize when the enemy is trying to intimidate us with things that are not true. We need to recognize when it's trying to attack who we are and why we are here. We need to be able to recognize it and go, like the Bible says, that's a stronghold or an argument or a lofty idea that you are trying to force onto me. That's not true. But I have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down those strongholds, those lofty ideas and those arguments, and I'm not going to use them. And I'm going to say, no thought, you are taken captive under the authority of Christ Jesus. How do we do this practically? Out loud. Out loud. Because I know you're sitting there going, this all sounds very nice, but how do I do it? Out loud. And you practice, and you do it again, and then you do it again. And people around you may think you're crazy, but you're going to see a change in your life. The other way you do it is that when you wake up, you confess the Word of God over your life. You spend time with God, because that's where the change comes. I'm convinced, I'm going to get up on your business. I'm convinced that the average person here does not spend more than a half an hour a day with God on a daily basis. And that's why we are not changing the world quicker for Jesus. Because if we knew our God on such a deep, intimate level, because we're spending time with Him, our days will look different, our conversations will look different, and the change we bring into people's lives will look completely different. There will be an acceleration. And when tough stuff comes along, we will handle it like a conqueror because we think like one. You agree?
How do we do it? We fully surrender to God. We give our lives to Him. And we say, Jesus, not my will be done, but your will be done. What is your will? Who am I in you? I'm your child. Okay, thank you. What does that mean? What does that look like? We're saying it today. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. What does that mean to you? Is it just words that you sing or is it actually true in your heart? And you know that when you wake up, I'm a son of God. I wrote down declarations that I read or recite when I shower in the morning over myself and my family. I'm a son of God. I'm a man of God. I am the righteousness of Christ. I've been saved, healed, and delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a husband to my wife. I will love her well. I'm a father to my children. I will teach them and equip them for this life. That is who I am. I am called to minister the word of God in a powerful, truthful way. And I've been given gifts to do that. And I will grow and strengthen myself in them daily. A combination of scripture and what God has told you of who you are. Wake up and confess it. Wake up and confess it. Why? Because there's power in words. Words are powerful. We need to prophesy what will happen in our lives. Look at what David did. He was faced with an enemy. The enemy said one thing to him. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to change this up on you. I'm going to prophesy the truth based on who my God is. Some of you are sitting with circumstances. You're like, I don't know how to handle this. It's making me so nervous. I'm not making light of your problem. I know you have problems. But we we tend to come come, uh, and... Take our tough stuff and just sort of go and lie like a dog on its back. And like, okay, just I can't wait till this is over. Instead of having a posture of knowing who our God is. And saying, okay, this is happening. We're not delusional. Christians are not delusional. We know there are facts, there are circumstances, things happen. But... Like David, I mean, he knew the fact that there's a giant in front of him. He knew the fact that that spear could probably make him a kebab. He knew these things. But the stronger truth was who his God is. Do we think like that? Do we really, really think like that when the tar hits the road? No? The teki hits the road. The tire hits the road. Something hits something. When you are under pressure, when the tough stuff do happen, what is your knee-jerk reaction? That's the test. That's the test. When, when you hear bad news, when you lose something significant, when someone that you thought you can trust betrays you, when these things happen, what is your knee-jerk reaction? What is it? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it, oh... I'm giving up on life. I'm giving up on people. I'm giving up on God. Or is it, this sucks. I don't like this. It's really bad that it's happening. We acknowledge that it's happening. But behind that, because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I know who I am, and I know whose I am, I'm not facing this on my own. And I'm not facing this as a defeated person. I'm facing it as a conqueror. If you take your Bible and you page to Revelation 22, we win. We win. Because Jesus wins. You are a conqueror. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror if you are in Christ Jesus. Do you believe it?
I'm going to keep asking you and I'm going to keep telling you until it sinks in and becomes part of who you are. You need to wake up in the morning and say, I am a conqueror in Christ who gives me strength. I am an overcomer. I think like a conqueror. I know who I am. Because stuff will happen in this week. The devil doesn't want you to hear this stuff because it will equip you to beat him. So you might even wake up tomorrow and face something that you didn't think you will face this week. And the question is, what are you going to do? How are you going to deal with that? How are you going to think about it? That's the question. We can talk about this. I can read Bible scriptures. You can go, hallelujah, glory, amen. But if nothing changes in your thinking and in your life, then we're just going through the motions. I want to see marriages change. I want to see families change for the kingdom. I want to see the Helderberg serve Jesus. I want to see South Africa, who says it's a Christian nation, actually be a Christian nation. What do you want to see? It starts in your home. It starts in your time with God. It starts in how you deal with the the small difficult things. Because if you can't deal with the small difficult things in a godly way, you won't deal with it, the big things in a godly way. You just won't. He sees if we are faithful in the little, so he can put us in charge of much. Amen? All right. I want to repeat everything again. <laughs> because I really want you to get this. But please go and listen to this again. Go and read the story of David In 1 Samuel 17, go and read it slowly, out loud. Make a story about it. See the pattern that he lived by. And see and notice that all of it is birthed from him knowing who his God is. His confidence was in him. Where is your confidence? Is it in you? Your thinking, your ways, your money, your savings account, your relationships, your abilities, the hope that someone will give me a break? Or is it really truly in God himself? Let us stand and let us reflect and respond. Let's take a moment. Let us close our eyes. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here with us. I thank you that your word is so powerful and that it comes and it changes us, it challenges us, it inspires us. Lord, we thank you for your son David in, whom, in whose life we can see how we should be thinking when we go through life, when we face the daily things we face, people talking us out of certain things, lies of the enemy, intimidation, fear, whatever it might be. Lord, we thank you for the example. Lord, we humbly come before you today and we ask, Father, that you will help us to more and more every day as we spend time with you, as we worship you, as we read your word, that our picture and the way we think about who you are will grow and mature more and more into the truth of who you really are, so that we can see who we really are in you, so that we can see why we are really here, and that we can operate from that place in our daily lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you that when we are born again, you live in us, 
that we get to host the Holy Ghost and that you give us strength. You give us the words to utter when we don't know. You lead us in our prayers. Do so, Holy Spirit. Daily, help us. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will come and you will touch every heart, every person right here and online, that they will just know that they know in this moment you are with them. You are speaking to them. Holy Spirit, bring your comfort. Bring your peace. And more importantly, bring your truth into each of our lives so that we can see you for who you really are. Lord, I want to wake up every day and know that I'm backed by heaven. I'm backed by the God of the, of the, of the hosts of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts. I'm thinking of that picture, Lord, when, when Gehazi said to Elijah, how, how are we going to do this? We can't win this battle. And, and Elijah asked God to open his eyes. And when Gehazi looked again, he saw millions of angels in an army formation backing them. Lord, that is who we are. And Lord, I know from my own experience, there's moments where I did say the right thing. I did believe in you the right way. And circumstances didn't go the way I wanted them to. And I know there's people here that may feel that way as well. Like, yeah, I, I did trust. I did believe. I did stand. And I did get sick. And someone did die. And I didn't get that job. Lord, we have these battles as well. And I ask, Lord, specifically that you will also help us to look at disappointment and things that seem like failures through the eyes of a true conqueror in Christ. And that we will even know how to deal with disappointment. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will lead us and guide us every day as we do that. We pray that in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please stay like that with your eyes closed. If anyone is here today that had an encounter with God and you know that you know you've got a decision to make, you want to follow Jesus, you want to say, yes, I want that. I want to be close to the God of heaven's armies. I want to know him personally. I want to become a believer today. If that is you, please put up your hand so we can just pray with you and invite you into the kingdom. Anyone? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Any other hands? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Can you please come forward? Please come forward. Let's, let's give a, a round of applause for what God is doing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. We're going to pray together. Um, Tanya, can you help us stand as a belief? Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Let's, let's all pray together as, as we pray with this beautiful lady. Just open your hands like this and just focus on Jesus. And you're going to speak to him now. Let all of us say, Lord Jesus, today I choose to give my life to you. Today I decide to lay down my old life. And to come alive in you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross and being raised from the grave so that I can live free. 
Thank you for dying for my sins in my place. I accept it. I believe it. Today I forgive myself for all my sins. And I know that from this moment, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You want to say something? All right. We've got, come. She'd like to share something with us. Um, I just felt today being very challenged by the message. And I just want to stand in front of you today. And I want to tell you that next week I will testify of what I will do during this week to get over my fear, to get over my disappointment, to get over the challenges that I have faced since returning to South Africa a few weeks ago. I am a pensioner. I came back with a plan in head and it was disrupted. It was uprooted and it left me feeling very vulnerable very open to so much disappointment, anger, fear. I cried many nights. And I just want to stand here today and tell you, I will testify of how my life, how all these challenges will be changed by the time I return on Sunday next week. Thank you, Lord. Wow, I love that. The Word of God just came alive in real circumstances. And she just prophesied in the name of the Lord of hosts that things will change. And we, as a church community, we are going to stand with her in agreement. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful daughter of yours. We thank you for the promise and the calling on her and her family's life. We thank you that you've brought them here for a reason and a purpose and even though things have not worked out the way they thought it should, we know that you are sovereign. We know that you know that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and comfort, that you will come and lead. I pray that they will find their strength in you, that they will find their wisdom in you, and that they will know what the next steps are for this time in their lives. We pray that in agreement with them, in Jesus' name. The name above all names. Amen and amen. Awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. That was brave and so good. Amen. Thank you so much. May that inspire all of us for the week to come and the months to come. Um, I want to chat to you. We're going to give you a Bible. So have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you next week. Remember to connect with the Connect Group and um, have a wonderful time. We love you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.